Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Your pick was home playing checkers. Our pick is national, national champ. champ. Your pick held out a training camp. Our pick is some LSU. LSU. Your pick really smells, smells like, like poop. poop. Our, Our pick won the, won the damn, damn Heisman. Heisman. Your pick can't break, break a Heisman. Heisman. And welcome back to the first episode of the offseason of Fuck You. We, we like, like the Bengals. I'm your host, Alex Schubert. Sitting across to me is... Lloyd Johnson. My dog. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, sir. How about you? I'm doing all right. Uh, so what we're doing this offseason, we're going to explain a little bit of what's going to happen. Um, we're not going to... Because there aren't going to be doing... We're not going to be doing... Um, we're not going to be doing a lot of roast jokes. We're going to be doing some, not a ton, because we're tired. We wrote a lot this year. That was a lot of... Especially playing the, the double... Playing the same team. That, know, that's twice. the hard. That's, those that's are the, the hardest ones to do because it's like you. I've roasted the Ravens, uh, f- three times. I roasted the Steelers four times. Yeah, it's uh. You can only write so many jokes about Ben Roethlisberger being a, being a piece of shit. Which thank God he got hurt this year, so I can write about Mason Rudolph, Doc Hodges. I don't know the the. I don't know. I feel like I could. I could every week. I could throw in once on Ben. Like, <laughs> About how just, Ben Roethlisberger is a piece of shit. He's just such a piece of shit that you can. He's the worst. He's. Like, I have friends who went to school with him, and uh, there's apparently stories from back then that are gnarly. Oh, I don't doubt that at all. Because when you're king shit of Oxford, Ohio, <coughs> which not I, hard to do. No, well, <clears throat> it's not hard to do because my brother went there. I was like, just have a double wide trailer. It's better than ninety percent. <laughs> It's actually a pretty rich kid school. I know, I know. I'm just... Yeah. But no, the I went there a couple times because my brother went there and we I visited him a couple times, went to a couple bars up there. I'm like I'm like 26 in a college bar and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? I mean, I'm like, because I worked in college bars, I can hang. I'm just like, the one, my golden rule for going up there was do not look a single girl in the eye. <laughs> I thought you were doing research for you season three. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of look like the guy from the show. I think I've heard. I think I've had a couple uh, kids tell me that before that I said. I didn't realize until I was actually. I'm seeing you over the pop screen on your mic, so I'm only seeing yeah. like the. You've only you've only gotten the Wilson <laughs> Wilson from Home Improvement treatment from me. Yeah, the uh, the guy from that show. You. you kind of look. Like I think I've gotten bit. that a couple times. But yeah, so we digress from Oxford, <laughs> Ohio, and how Ben Roethlisberger's a piece of shit. We roasted him so many times. 
But so what's going to happen? We're just going to be doing like off-season news. We're going to bullshit a little bit. Uh, how this is going to work? Uh, I just posted this on Instagram about an hour ago, or not too long ago, like a little less than an hour ago. But the Bengals lost 14 games this year. Andy Dalton's jersey number is number 14. Probably last season you'll see that. Yes. I mean, you'll probably see another number 14, because if you don't re- retire Kenny Anderson's number, you're for sure not going to retire Andy Dalton's number. Uh, That's not a knock on Andy Dalton. But, uh, yeah, no, so we're going to do an episode on the 14th of each month? We're going to release an episode on the 14th of each, of each month. Where me and Lloyd are going to bullshit. We're going to catch up with each other. We're going to have a good time. This is going to be one of uh, a couple podcasts that Lloyd might do. You said you had a couple ideas? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually talking to a couple different people about some things, trying to figure out exactly how they'll work and... and what I'll do, but yeah, there might be one, potentially two more that I'll be doing from. Do you have any idea on what they'll be about? Uh, one will be an interview, which I know everyone has interview podcasts, but I know too many weird people with the job I have. Hello. Uh, but you know, I mean, like if you can find out someone who works at, you know, the has there's three people on the planet that have their job from like the crew <laughs> building at the zoo. Are you gonna are you gonna interview people that work at the zoo? Uh, just. All the weird people. I know a lot of people with, like, strange careers and... Yeah, I think I knew, like, I knew Wyckoff. I knew, uh, I knew a couple people that I worked with, uh... When I worked at, like, uh, Uncle Woody's and Ladder, I knew, like, one girl that I think worked at the zoo with Zach. So, um, I think her name's, like, I think her name's Holly. Do you know a girl? Blonde uh, chick? I think she was an intern. I remember her intern yeah. name. Super nice. Um, but yeah, the other one is potentially like a MMA combat sports kind of like loose. <laughs> That's right up your alley, dude. Oh, it's it's exactly what I what I should be doing. Like I, I, that's my favorite thing. It has the most interest. Yeah, you have a fucking podcast studio in your kitchen. This is what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's it shouldn't be hard for me to commit to. It's just it's figuring out the exact details and how yeah. it'll work. And I can't afford this shit. So. Props to you, Lloyd, for doing this all season, letting us come in your kitchen and well, me you, eating all your all your junk food. Well, if you come up with something, you're more than welcome to come here and record whenever. Yeah, man. You I heard mean, it, we're it's gonna recorded. Do, I mean, I'm, I'm content with fuck you like the Bengals right now. I don't really have Because I'm still working on my interview skills. I'm not very good at that right now. Trial by fire, man. Try, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I've only done this for a full season, so. I, I actually, after that last one, I kind of want a podcast of just you and Lily. <laughs> You're a dick. We'll just feed you an edible at the beginning of every podcast and let her... Wait. No, I'm out. Damn it. <laughs> Why did I just mouth it and you were just like, no, I don't have any. I don't have any of those. Ah, uh, man, you suck. Well, I mean, I, I don't... No, you're fine. I don't fine. smoke or eat. I just, I, you never... just happen to have those at the time? All my friends are comics, artists, musicians. Like, there's times where you just are like, okay, this person came in hot. Let's feed you that so you're much... <laughs> Much calmer now. That sounds bad. Do you know if Lily's ever smoked? Oh yeah, she for sure has. Oh yeah, she got in trouble for it a while back. So. <clears throat> How young was she? I think fifteen, bordering on sixteen. Oh uh, okay. But she's in Florida, so for her, she's like a grandma. Like, <laughs> no, you know all the old people down there, right? You know, it's like you ever heard? Have I told you Tom Dustin's joke about that? I love Tom Dustin, but. If you go to the east coast of Florida, a lot of old people there. If you go to the west coast of Florida, you can meet their parents. <laughs> yeah, he's that, that dude, man. He the rules. Brouhaha's, he he just rips. He gets up and go. Like 
I've watched him crush before. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, he's and he's just a fun dude. Like, he's the best. I had a bad situation um, with a girl about a year and a half ago. Some really bad. Sh- I'm not going to say what it was specifically, just to protect what, just protect her, even though she doesn't talk to me anymore. But like Tom and I were kind of riffing about it in the car, in my car, and he was just like making me laugh about it. I'm like, I know it's a bad time to really joke about something like that. Did you read my lips there? Kind of. Oh, boy. I'm, pretty, I'm hoping I read them. Yep. All right. But but he was helping me out with that, and he was kind of joking with me. At one point, he got me to... Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Break and I'm like, you are the best. Yeah, that's, uh, honestly, I think there's nothing better for shitty situations. Like, that's one of the things I love about having so many friends that are comics. Like, I've had some awful, you know, times that you get around a group of people that all know how to, like, make fun of stuff the right way and yeah. actually be funny. The right way. That's one thing that's very important in comedy. Because, like, so many people try to be, like, the next you know, Lewis Black or George Carlin, they think like, oh, I'm going to be so fucking edgy. I'm going to, no, you're just going to say the N word in front of a mic. That's not, I mean, I hate to be like, I don't want to sound too woke, but there's so many shitty comics that hide behind that. Oh, people are too PC. You know what I'm talking about? No, I see. I'm in, I'm in that middle ground on this because I think oh, the fun, fun things. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of people that take it way too far with the, oh, everybody's too PC and I should be able to say awful shit. No. But I also am on the other side of that of when someone's like, oh, you can't joke about this. No, you can if you yeah. write a good joke. Exactly. The, I see both sides. So that's, I, I, I'm there's torn. A, there's, an, a, there's absolutely a middle ground with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there's people like Jesselnick. Jesselnick can make fun of anything. Because it's it's character, it, like he knows how. It's to, his character. Yeah, he he's, knows how to do. That. He has a fucked up joke mentality. And he, had, I mean, he, you know, he make it a quick one liner. You're not delving super deep into something. You yeah. hit it. You move. You go, and it's clearly absurd. Yeah, like one of my favorite jokes is really fucked up. I'm, I, I can say this. He goes, it was on his most recent special. And like near the end, he goes, I think the worst thing you can get, worst gift you can give to someone that just had an abortion would be a to-go box. <laughs> I'm like, that's... R- I'm quoting that to anyone who will listen. He's... Like I said, anyone who can do it well. Like, you know, Tosh has got... Daniel Tosh has got shit forever because he's, yeah. you know, high 
That's his. Pers- that's the persona that Tosh Point has helped him build. Right, and uh, I mean, even before that, if you watch like his first Comedy Central half hour, I watched that a couple of years ago. I from because he's like super socially awkward. Yeah, he had horrific posture. Yeah, he he looked like a shrimp. He did. He was the, like hunched over and telling. And they're very funny jokes. But he's one of those people where he actually said that in in one of his specials, like. Oh, you can't joke about this. Or you can't joke about that. He said, "No, you can joke, joke about it if you write a good joke." Exactly. And that that to me has been like the you know, why Stan no one ever comes to Stanhope like, "Here, oh, we want an apology for this." One, he doesn't give a shit. Two, argue the point. Like it, there's always a point when he says something. It's not just to say it for shock value. Yeah. Cuz <clears throat> if you say something for shock value as a comic, Nine times out of ten, you're gonna piss off the audience, and if you're gonna be like, "Oh, I," if you're the kind of comic that blames the crowd, you're just in denial. Yeah. So I like, <clears throat> I remember back when I was like, you know, I'd go, I've always gone to open mics and stuff. I always like seeing it, but I remember there was a little while where there was this weird mix of like, not the people that stuck with it, but like all the periphery people that show up. There was a bunch of. Jesselnik clones and a bunch of Tosh clones. I because when I started, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be edgy, because I was like I was nineteen when I started. I was like, I felt angsty in a way. Well, you're nineteen. You're not a human yet. <laughs> exactly. Like for males, your frontal cortex isn't done developing until you're twenty five. You literally can't take anything someone under twenty five year old said. You can't take it serious. It's not a real thought. They're not. They don't have all the parts yet. In the okay, I'm gonna provide a small counterpoint to that. The only way you can agree with something that someone under 25 says is if it like if it agrees with your agenda. Like okay, I'm gonna give you an example. The Parkland kids. Right. Remember, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like the David Hogg kid, who was like fighting for gun advocacy. And the people who were against him were like, he's 18, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. But the people who were agreeing with him were like, oh, people so young just get it. Well, actually, uh, I remember Tim mentioned at uh, Reason Rally, actually was saying like, hey, you know, we, we love to discredit some of these people. And this had nothing to do with that particular situation, yeah. but he was talking about young people being activists and whatever. He's like, we like to discredit them. <clears throat> because they haven't figured out who they are or what they are. They think they know what they are, but they they're just like He's like, but if someone's under 25, you're welcome you're you're very welcome to discredit their point if you have a better one. Exactly. And that's why that guy's That's why so few comics have, like I mean, granted it takes a while to like work the road and figure out your shit, but it's like that's why so few comics like, make it before they're, or, like, make it, but, like, have any marginal amount of success until they're in their mid to late 20s. Like, or I in think, reality, probably 30s. I mean, if you look the at... On, like, the only comic I can think of who had a special under the age of 25, or Bo Burnham had a bunch, but he's, like, kind of an exception to the rule. <clears throat> the only straight stand-up comic I can think of that had a special under 25 is Pete Davidson. Um... Eddie Murphy. <laughs> oh, that, okay, that's true. I mean, the real, But there like, was so... Okay, so yeah, he had like Raw. Was it Raw first or was it Delirious? 
In any other circumstance, I'd know this right off the top of my head, but now that I'm trying okay, to Okay, well, now that you mention it, I remember Freddie Prinze did a, um, a Johnny Carson when he was like 21. Yeah, but that was... But there are so... There, I think... I'm not sure what the... <clears throat> like, I remember seeing uh, some of Michael Che's stuff up early. Okay. From his... And he was a good joke writer then. He's funny! He's like, really funny. He, uh, Michael, if you haven't seen it on Netflix, Michael Che Matters, that's a great hour. I think I have at some point, but I need to rewatch that. That dude, dude he got in trouble for making jokes about a like a woman in her 60s who gave birth. Yeah. He's, oh man, the jokes were really funny. Yeah, he's, uh, he's one of those guys who's, he's a good joke writer. Like, he's uh, one of those guys that just <clears throat> doesn't give a fuck, and it pisses off people who do. Yeah, he, well, I mean, he just he's also like, yeah, I don't know enough about this to have a strong opinion, so here's what I have from what I got. Like, that kind of honesty is hard to argue. Yes. I mean, it's very, uh, damn it, I can't think of the kid's name now. Uh, well, what did he do? What did he do? Oh, I'll, I'll circle back to that. What, wait, what kid were you talking about, what you were trying to think of? Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head now, but like uh, I remember seeing him and Donald Glover got the Comedy Central half hours. Okay. And uh, Michael, he's got a really weird last name. Pa- Palasak. Yeah. His earliest one, like Comedy Central recorded. He went to Xavier. <clears throat> and he, his half hour is so good. He has one of my favorite jokes I've ever heard. He said that he was a quarterback on a high school team, and one game they lost 84 to nothing. And after the game, his mom was like, Michael, what'd you learn? And he went, I learned that 7 times 12 is 84. <laughs> That's such a good joke. Yeah, I, but like he definitely stuck inside the areas he knew, and unapologetic was like, I don't have enough of an opinion about this to go on in a couple of jokes. They weren't like, cornerstones to it but it was definitely lent credence to what he was doing it's like because i i was just thinking about this now like i have so little material from like my early days in stand-up like i i all my stuff is like honestly like after i started djing like after my like all my stuff after i started djing it's like that's all my stuff that i have that or that i still have like my first weekend with the Bargazzi, I don't think I, I don't think I tell a single joke from that weekend still. Yeah, I mean, and that's again, I've seen some of these guys come through. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an old man at this point where I'm, you know, I've been going to open mics and go yeah. bananas for longer than a lot of guys that are doing yeah. comedy right now are have been doing. You know? Yeah, and because uh, because you, you have an outsider's perspective on comedy, and, and I, there's guys you see them the first time and you're like. You won't do any of this in two years, but you'll be a monster. Like I think that might be what I, the first time I saw Blake, he, I was like, "This dude has the recipe, but he hasn't figured out the baking time." Like, yeah, if that makes any sense. Like I was like, "This guy, he, I know what he's doing." Like, I think the turning point for me for Blake was the first time he did the Xander bit. Yes, that. the first time I heard that bit, I think was one of the first times he ever told it. And it was at the Thompson house um, because we were at the Thompson house and there were, there were like seven people in the room. 
I think Jay Jay would when Jay Armstrong ran the open mic, he would just sit in the side room with his with his now wife. But I remember I was in I was like near the bar area in tears. Just listening to that bit, and after the bit was over, I just heard Jay lose his mind at the bit. Yeah, I, I, that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Like you'd hear one, like especially at the start before he really put all the act outs in that. No, he had. I think he's like kept the act out consistent in that bit. Okay, well, I, I I thought he added the the second part where he does the the like I'm not even over Xander. The, no, the lean back on the arm. Oh yeah, yeah. It seemed yeah. like that built a little bit more, and I was yeah. like, "Good call," even though it didn't seem like really yeah. his his milieu. Oh god, I said milieu. Uh, his wheelhouse, like, yeah. To start with, I just said milieu in a conversation. <laughs> I hate myself so much right now. Uh, I think we all have those words that we're like, "Oh, I feel." I think my big word that I like to say is juxtaposition. That's a that's a fun one. It's a fun word to say. I just Emilio sounds like it just sounds like you're I being remember unnecessarily like pompous. I remember it being a vocab word, um, but I just don't remember <clears throat> what it means. It's basically your wheelhouse, your area of comfort. Yes, I could have just said wheelhouse and we would have been fine. Yeah, that's like the second time or third time I've used that word where I really hate myself for using it. You're fine. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's a bunch of comedy shit. Speaking of comedy, I am, um, so when I started stand-up, I was going to talk about this, and this is the last thing I'll say, but when I started stand-up, um, or not when I started stand-up, when I started writing jokes, I was in high school. It was a hobby I did to offset the fact that I had no ability to get laid. <laughs> it was bad. That's before you, <laughs> you season one. The what? It's before you season one. <laughs> so, uh, when I started writing comedy, um... What I did was monologue jokes. Like the Berbiglia-ish kind of? No, like, like Leno. Okay. That's what, I, that's what I was trying to figure out which way you meant. Like, I would do, like, you see this? Yeah, you see this in the news? Uh, um, so uh, the economy's bad. Um, like, the Dow Jones is down 500 points. High school Punch student. Line. He's like, did you hear the economy's bad? I just learned that word four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I did just I just did monologue jokes and all that stuff. Like just new setup punchline. That's how I, that's how I learned to write a joke. And I I have no problem with that, um, especially with younger guys. I always hate when they go with the they're just offering someone else's opinion or their opinion on someone's opinion about an issue. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like you'll hear them say something. You're like, right? I've heard like I've heard this counterpoint to that a whole bunch of times. Okay. And that's like their whole set for a while is just kind of like, oh, here's someone's point that was made about this subject, and here's the counterpoint. And it's like, yeah, but there's, you know, there's seven other comics out there that are famous that have a very similar. And it's not they're taking bits. It's just <clears throat> it's the easy counterpoint for like talk shows and whatever yeah. that you know that that back and forth banter that everyone does with that, comics. Yeah, and they have those kind of like pocket. Well, okay, this is a current. You know, a, a topic that's that's fresh and is happening. So here's the counterpoint to the silliness yeah. of it. It's like an update. It's like um, it's an update on the day, the news of the day, and it's changed so much since like when I started. Because when I started like watching late night talk shows, it was the big guys were the there were like there were five uh, talk shows: Jay Leno, The Tonight Show, Late Night with Conan. Late Show with David Letterman, 
Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson and Jimmy Kimmel. Right. And every single one would do setup, punchline. Right. And now I think um, it's changed so much with Colbert because Colbert's on, Seth Meyers is on. They're all just rants about Trump. Yeah. They're all trying to be trying to be the Daily Show. And I mean, there's one John Stewart. <laughs> yeah, John Stewart was the best to ever do it. Right, and you know, I like that comedy on those shows has gotten, but like you have guys who just. I think so many people don't do that now that the guys who do it do it a little more often and they've learned how to do that set like Mark Norman anytime he's on one you're Love like Mark Norman you're like okay I'm okay with him doing it he's another one of those don't <clears throat> give a fuck guys that I respect and just a, I mean but solid joke writer did I ever tell you the story of when I met Mark Norman at the, the funny boat I don't think so because I told him I was a comic and he was uh, after the show I met him he was like shaking people's hands I told him I was a comic and he started talking to this girl for a second. He was like, hang on for a minute. So he started talking to this girl for a second. She went she went um, out to, I think, just to leave the show. And he was like, and I was just like, all right, thanks, man. He's like, it's all right, man. Just trying to get laid. I can't tell Mark. <laughs> and just trying to get laid. No shame to it. Just No shame. Here's just the thing that happened. Yeah. Which, yeah. That's what he does. And I love I love Mark Norman. He's so fuck. He's funny, but he's like, he's so simple that it works. He's... He plays simple, but is clever. Like, you know what I mean? He has a really solid, well-written joke from a very simple perspective. Yes. Does that make sense? Like, <clears throat> that's how I've always looked at him, and I, I, I love guys like yes. that. Yes. So anyway, what I was getting at with the monologue joke thing is I would write eight jokes a day when I got home from school every day. I write something when I was, when I was at school, but um, when I uh, – but I just – kind of lost touch with it a little bit because I like like regular stand-up took over and I was just doing that for a little bit. But I still wrote every now and then. So I'm doing this new project this year um, where I'm going to write a monologue joke every single day for the year. That's uh, my project. I think it's a good <clears throat> applied discipline exercise. It's a it's a punchline writing exercise. It I mean, it can give me material. Like, I can... Like, oh, for sure it can. There's guys, like, there's guys who are you know, headlining that I've heard do, still make themselves do that. Like, just doing, like, daily joke writing exercises? <clears throat> yeah, of course, like, you gotta I'm keep yourself fresh. One. And then if they sit there and stay longer, they stay longer. If not, um, Sean Rouse, uh, one time when I was talking about God rest him, his soul. Yeah. Such a... I listened to it was to his album <clears throat> after he... Because he toured with uh, Attell and Geraldo, who are my two favorite comics, and Dan Cook. And he also toured with Stan Hope. He toured with <sighs> Jeff Tate. He toured with... Andy Andrus, uh, JT Haberstadt, a whole bunch of guys that I think are killers. Like, but yeah. I think Haberstadt <clears throat> tours with um, Eddie Pepitone. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think he's God damn it! If you folks out there, if you've never listened to Eddie Pepitone, holy fuck, is he funny? Yeah, he's one of those dudes that it's. I'm like, that's not really my type of comedy, but god damn it, he's good at it. Like, <laughs> he's you know what I mean? like, so fucking ridiculous and funny. Like a Jim Gaffigan or Gabriel Glaze is not my type of comedy, but they're fucking good. Yes, I used to like Gabriel Iglesias a lot when I was in high school, and I liked them earlier on before it was. It definitely seemed to lose a bit of relatability as he went on. Yeah, he kind of um, as he went along, Iglesias kind of seemed to play to his following, 
more than he did like actual like he is a bit in one of his specials about how he went to like a uh I think it was a castle and talked to a prince. It was like a fucking fifteen, twenty minute story. Yeah. That's and first not... of all, I admire people who are storytellers in in comedy because I can't fill that kind of time. I think you could. I could. I would like to. That's one of my goals. Because I've had a story for years about, um, and I've tried to write this so many times, but I've never been able to do it successfully. It's about how I accidentally went on a date with a dude. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Oh, we're going to write this out right now, aren't we? Nope, not right now. You're going to write a joke every day for the year, right? Yep, every day for the year. So. It's about the news, just like a monologue joke. Okay, so let's hit the six-month part. Okay. And at that six-month part, I want you to break that story down into all of the highlight reels, like the highlight points. And then for the next, like, two weeks, break all those highlight points down and turn them into a one-line joke. And then you can piece them all back together at the end of the year. Try that joke. I bet you it'll crush. I want to so bad. May I tell the story? Yeah. All right. It's, I've heard it when you did it at uh, Truth Serum. <laughs> oh, it, that's I, right. I, laughed my, I thought it was great. Oh, it's so much fun. It was after – all right, so do you remember the story? Most of it. Okay, so for the people who don't know, it was, and I don't, if, you, if the dude's out there listening, I'm sorry. I think this is really funny. But what happened was I did a, uh, I did my first weekend at Go Bananas with Nate Bargatze. It was unbelievable. I honestly still don't think I deserve the weekend. But there were, um, there were 200 people at the Saturday early show. And after the show, I got a message from a dude on Facebook who was at the show who I thought was a guy who was with his girlfriend. F- fucking front row, laughing his dick thought. off. <laughs> he, I thought he was with his thought. Right. That means select. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Thank you. So I thought he was with his girlfriend at the time. <clears throat> so we started messaging after the show. He said, uh, hey, Alex, you were really funny uh, tonight. And uh, Lewis, the feature, was right. You definitely were the cutest guy at the club. Winky face. Now, it was Lewis J. Gomez. You're probably familiar with I him. I love Lewis. He's, he's, so he's such fun. a hateable oh. shitbag with a heart of gold. Like it's... You see that with a lot of hateable comics that they're like sweethearts off stage. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you... like. Uh, think of just like the most easily like pinned down as like this person's hateable. Uh, Jim like, Norton. Norton, Stanhope, uh, Metzger. Metzger's fucking great, dude. But just like I've talked with him on Facebook Messenger because he was one of his episodes of something. He was talking about something that happened here in Cincinnati. <laughs> okay. And he like on the episode of Race Wars, his podcast that he used to do with Sherrod Small, he was like, uh, I need to watch Sherrod Small more. He's He's good. I just want him to stop trying so hard to. to shock I, I'm people. sorry, I shouldn't say anything like that. That's 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 unreasonable. But no, Metzger literally in the episode he's like, uh, I didn't hear this 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 detail. He's like, if anyone knows what happened with that, let me know. So I sent him a message on Facebook. Hey, just you know, from somebody who was around where all that was, here's what it was, and he just sent back like the sweetest, like, hey man, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you caring, you know, taking the time to write back and da da da. And I'm like. Is this Kurt's assistant? Like, like I, just, I didn't picture him being that sweet and nice about it. Oh, yeah. Of course. <clears throat> oh, man. So, what were we talking about before that? Um, oh, this, the fucking... Your story. Day with the dude, with the dude story. 
So he, because Lewis brought that up because at the time it was when I had lost weight but still had some of my fat material. Because it was like my first weekend I wanted to fucking crush. So, um, so Lewis heard those jokes. He's like, I don't know what this kid's talking about. He's fucking gorgeous and all this shit. And I'm like, oh, thank you. But I'm like awkward in the back. Just like, oh, okay, whatever. That's cool. I, I, I mean, my mom's in the crowd, but that's all right. So, so that guy messaged me on Facebook about that. And I'm thinking the whole time he's a fan of comedy. Not realizing he's hitting on me because at the time he's a fan of the shoes. <laughs> it was he. He wanted some. He wants some shoes, pubes in his life. <laughs> because um, at the time I lost a lot of weight, and someone hitting on me, much less a dude, was an inconceivable concept at the time. Right, and as someone who's just say social- no homo and get it out. No, I'm saying as someone who's as socially awkward but in a completely different way. Okay. I get where it's so easy to overlook something like that. Yeah. Like, there's friends of mine to this day who still call me O. And it's just from high school where they call me Captain O because I'd be completely oblivious to some girl hitting on me. Like, <laughs> like, there's one that happened in the lunchroom where a girl came up and she was like, ah, whatever. And I was like, I'm trying to fucking eat. <laughs> and all my friends are staring like, eyebrows are a part of their hair right <laughs> now like looking at me like dude are you not what was getting... the deal and i literally would just look i'm trying to eat right now like what we don't have a lot of time here what do you think we're doing like and she clearly was just trying to be like cordial and trying to hit trying and to... she was a very attractive girl that i in any other situation i've probably been like oh hey how's it but at that moment that's what i was doing and i couldn't be distracted from it. So that's where Captain Obvious came from. Yeah. And I ran into a friend of mine not too long ago that was like, what's up? Oh, and I was like, I forgot that existed. <laughs> so, no, I'm saying, I, I can absolutely see how you can overlook. Yeah. Even with, like, looking back on it, you see giant, like, oh, I should have caught. But... Yeah, he included a winky face in his message. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're the, you're the cutest guy. guy. Winky face. Winky fa- yeah, that and I overlooked up. that completely. So I'm like, thank you so much. Uh, thank, I said, thank you for coming out, which uh, my my boss at the time thought that was the, the most ironic thing in the world. Thank you for coming out. Yeah, that was a little, uh, on, the, a little on the nose. It was pristine. But... I, my new term for that is Pristina Aguilera. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very dumb like that. You fucking DJ. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanna be with me. <laughs> Do you need a bottle? It's not bad. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... What was it? All right. So, so he, he, he uh, the message. He asked me if I wanted to go to lunch. So he went to Taste of Belgium. Pink what Clifton. was the, like, did he just say, hey, do you want to have lunch? Or was it like. He asked um, if I wanted to get drinks sometime. And I'm like, I don't really drink all that much. I didn't really drink at the time. And he's like, do you want to get lunch? And I'm like, sure. I uh, I live in Clifton. I lived in Clifton at the time. He said, Taste of Belgium. Fuck. Perfect. So I got there and he's sitting by himself. And I'm like, you are. Something in me clicked. I'm like, you are not the dude who was with his girlfriend. Yeah. Something clicked. And then we got to, uh, we ate. It was a, it was a fine time. I mean, we just, it was just, we had a, de- like, you and me. Yeah. Except we're not talking about how I And I'm not trying to drain your fap sap out of you. <laughs> so, we had a decent time. Then we... Left, shook hands. I drove back to my apartment. Didn't think anything of also, it. Also, glad, I'm glad we've had a decent time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've had a great time. I'm I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring you back. I'm just messing with you. So the moment I, I'll never forget this. The moment I put my car in park, 
um, that when I got back, I, I got a text from the dude that says, hey, do you have any interest in being more than friends? And that is when everything hit me. I mean, that's that's a that's a baseball bat of a hit. That's not a... <laughs> so, yeah, it should have been when everything hit you, for it, sure. It's when everything hit me. And then he was kind of pissed off about it. And I, I was like, he was like, you led me on. And I'm like, no, my stupidity led you on. I just happened to show up. <laughs> That's a great line. I like, like that line. Yeah, I, I, I just need the whole story to work for it to. That's what I'm saying. I think if you break it down into sections and turn each of those into like a one line joke. Yeah. You won't end up using all of them, but you'll have the the hits and tags you need to make that joke work. One thing I notice about stories sometimes, <laughs> I notice this with Blake. Uh, Hammond a lot too. It's like when you're telling a long story, it's not necessarily set up punch the whole time. No. It's like punchlines that you roll into. Right. And and you can even toss off punchlines or add tags like that are not relevant until after the punch. Yeah. That make the whole story better. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I think if you write each part of that out as a joke, <clears throat> like each individual piece and make a joke for each section of the story. I bet you that you could then cobble that back together. Exactly. And, so, I think it, I think it could be a thing. So that's then, my uh, non-comic writing advice. <laughs> I mean, you've written jokes. You've written for fuck you like the Bengals, yeah, I, which we'll get to them in just a couple minutes. Um, we're gonna do some ad guys. reads after that, or after our bullshit session. So the last thing I'll say about the story is the moment uh, the dude stopped talking to me, I got on the phone with Billy Devore. And Alicia Galena and Kyle Jeffers. And <laughs> I told them there's a support team right there. <laughs> they were very supportive. So I called them like I think I just accidentally went on a date with a dude, and they all just started laughing at me. Uh, oh, it was so fucking funny. No, uh, there was a guy that worked at Kings Island who who accused me of leading him on at one point, and I guess I just didn't. Like, we would go get food. Like, I'd go there almost every weekend, like, two, two, three years in a row. <clears throat> and there's this guy that worked on the thing, and he'd always just, like, oh, grab you know, tell us to grab a couple of things. And I just thought, like, oh, this is a dude that just doesn't get a dress like I did at the time, like, kind of grungy. Yeah. So I thought he was just being cool. And then one day he was out, like, walking around, and we sit down to eat, and I was like, oh, too bad you weren't working the register. He's like, well, I'm, like, kind of grumpy, and I'm like, what are you mad about? And he's like, oh, I just feel like you've been leading me on the past few weeks, like being kind of like sweet and nice and flirty and blah, blah, blah. He's like, you don't look like a sweet person. You don't look like a nice person. You don't look like yeah. a vet. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm completely like, I'm stumped at what, what do I say to you? Cause I didn't catch any part of that. And he clearly in his head, he was so clearly flirting and giving us free shit to be like, yeah. And I didn't catch any part of it at all. Yeah. So again, I, I'm, I'm only saying that's like validate. Like, I can see how someone would be in that situation without catching it up front. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so I think we uh, had a little bit of a good bullshit session there. For shizzle. For shizzle. For for you're drinking a you're drinking a coke. So for sizzle. <laughs> Is that a good joke or no? For fizzle. Fo fizzle. So Lloyd's daughter is out of town, so I'm gonna take care of the reads. <laughs> My bookie is first up. You know, because as a true football fan, as a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, 
Tom Brady will keep the Patriots well, out of the playoffs this time. No, I won't. No, I won't. He's out. The Titans knocked him out. So every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We're finished with the NFL season, but the playoffs are still in, kicking in high gear. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to, to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be the same. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. Best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right, if you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. That was the my bookie ad. Hey, hey, hey. Um. <coughs> uh, now we're gonna talk about Blue Chew for a little bit. Still waiting on those free samples. All right. I'm gonna send. Uh... <coughs> Guys, remember what the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra extra confidence in bed. Listen up, Chewy Dick Bills. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you can benefit from extra function and more confidence where it, count, where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting for in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Uh, they're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code armchair to try it free blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast thank you thank you we got one more a support for armchair comes from manscaped who is number one in men's below the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts uh, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls. That's just, just nasty. nasty. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> I've been working on I do my Cleveland voice every time. I like it. Oh, that's nasty. Uh, Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ARMCHAIR. Armchair. At manscaped.com, always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. So you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. armchair. 
what the fuck happened last week. Um, so, I think it's time. We have not, there's been one game we have not talked about this year that was week 17, and you know what happened? We won. We won the we won game! Again. It was 33 to 23. <laughs> I was there, and it was awesome. It's, it's one of the few I actually watched, like, parts of. I, I didn't get a... I mean, I, I made you watch Sunday. the highlight reel before we got here. <clears throat> I should say, like, it's not that I don't like football. I, just, I work until 2.30 on Sundays. Yeah, oh, that'll do it. So I'm, I'm usually coming in just either at the very end or, you know. So, but, yeah, it's actually kind of a fun game to watch. It was. It was a very fun game to watch. And Joe Mixon... Dude. He ran out of his goddamn mind. He, he like, because he didn't score a touchdown until week 10. And he still had a 1,000-yard season. He looked so good. And uh, I'm, sorry, I'm drawing a blank on the defensive back. Had two picks that game. Uh, uh, Darius Phillips? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, granted, Baker threw, like, three or four picks. But I'm just saying he had two in one game and looked he looked great. I remember game. watching his highlight reel when he came out of college. He was like a he was deep back, he was a defensive back. He was also a kick returner. He had a gnarly college highlight reel. Gnarly college I was, highlight I reel. I was impressed just not just with the picks, but the way he played that game. Like he was he was very very good. Um, so Baker threw was just throwing balls up for grabs, and so was Dalton. Every quarterback was just throwing balls up for grabs. Just more happened to go the Bengals' <clears> way. I think the difference was the running game. Absolutely, yeah. The running game made the... Mixon ran out of his goddamn mind. And even, I mean, shout-out to all our returners, too, because... Erickson's been tight all season. Field position It was the wise. number... We were The Bengals were the number one uh, special teams unit all season. Yeah. Which, I mean, I know you're 2-14. and 14. You have to, like... All season long, I've tried to be a voice of reason. Because so many people have been like, the Bengals suck, which a lot of times they have. Burn the team to the ground. Dalton needs to go. Fucking AJ Green needs to go. Burn the entire franchise to the ground. Merc, burn Mike Brown to the ground. That last part's true. That, but, yeah, let's absolutely do that. <laughs> yes. Like I keep saying, the day Mike Brown dies, Billy DeVore and I are emptying a bottle of tequila. I say we record that because it'll be soon. <laughs> Dude's like in his mid 80s. Did, so. did you see him at the after the last game? He looks. He just looks disheveled from a 2-14 and 14 season. <clears throat> no, he looks like he's about to die. Yeah. He looks rough. I think his daughter might take over or something like that, which I've heard she's good at contract negotiations. Um, yeah, like, uh, there's a handful of people that praised her over that. Like, yeah. She's the one who finished the – I mean, not that it was great for anything, but she's the one who finished the T.O. deal when they were really pushing making that happen. That was – I mean, as bad as that 2010 team was, when you're a kid – I mean, if you're going to go 4-12 and – you might, or I believe they tied one game that year, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right, yeah. Let me check, let me let me fact check that real quick. Like, I mean, they gave her a, a difficult job of like, you know. No, they, they didn't tie a game, they went 4-12. and 12. Okay. It was a year. But yeah, uh, I, I remember them saying that his daughter kind of. She kind of runs everything. <clears throat> well, she like finished out that because he got too frustrated and when he was trying to be involved. Which is, he wants to be. He doesn't want to hire a GM. Duke Tobin's basically the guy, and he's a hell of a guy to have too. Like if they ever let go of him, that's gonna be a problem. Yeah. So, but the Bengals played well. They excited the fan base for a game. There were Dol- or there were Dolphins fans. What the fuck? 
Why would there be Dolphins fans at a Browns Bengals game? Why would there be Dolphins fans anywhere? Uh, Miami. Yeah, sure. But a, city a lot of Browns by... fans were uh, a lot of Browns fans were talking shit to us. I'm like, hey, you're not making the playoffs either, so yeah. shut up. And man, it's just a crazy season. And I knew. It was near the end of the game. They were up by seven. Bullock was about to kick a field goal. And I turned to a guy in the crowd. I'm like, if Bullock makes this field goal, Freddie Kitchens loses his job. Probably not a horrible, yeah. Yeah. And I called it. Like, I went to, I went up to Gobanans that night, and I saw that Freddie Kitchens lost his job. And I'm like, wow, they were really quick on the turnaround there. Well, I think he was, I think he was gone about yeah. halfway through the season. I remember um, reading a headline that said the <coughs> Bengals. I mean, you're facing a one and fourteen team. If it's the last game of the season, you're six and nine. You're basically if you lose to a team that is at the time one and fourteen, you are gone skate. Like I said, I think I think you can kind of tell the way everyone like talked about him, or even the way he. I think he knew he was gone earlier in the season. Yeah. I think after like when he wore the shirt and everybody got mad at him after the one game, and then. He said something stupid like two day, two games later. Every it seemed like everything after that, he kind of had that like, uh, maybe I can be a running backs coach somewhere. Like, yeah, I think he'll be a decent offensive coordinator somewhere. I think you give him a college team and let him, let like, him go let him kind of be a Chip Kelly kind of person. Yeah, or just I mean, give him a chance to do it. Like I think he jumped a couple of levels quicker than maybe he should. Like, yeah. But and I don't think he's going to be the Andy Reid type where that happens and you flourish. I think he yeah. Needs... Well, Andy Reid also has Patrick Mahomes. I still just uh, credit where credits due. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Freddie Kitchens couldn't do well with. I I mean I knew going in the Browns are going to be a soap opera. Oh, they always are. That's yeah. that's how they. But even more so when you have giant egos on your team like Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, kind of Jarvis Landry. Not really Kareem Hunt, because Kareem Hunt is like, nope, I'm going to be a football player, and that's it. And props. <laughs> and Miles Garrett a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys on that team that you're like, all right, man. Like, we've heard enough. Play. I think that brawl was the turning point. I I think that definitely put a highlighter mark next to what they were doing. Like, it gave them that little accent of, you know, after this, everybody has to act right. And they kind of didn't. Yeah. So I think that, that hurt everyone. Like, I think Baker Mayfield got... You stopped hearing as much about him after that. Yeah. You like, know. people... Like, he's in his constant feud with Colin Coward. And he's... Everyone keeps telling him, like, Baker, do less... Com- do fewer commercials. Yeah, just do what you... Do I, mean, what like if, I mean, if you're Patrick Mahomes and you're doing shitty State Farm commercials, those are terrible. I, I, I mean, whatever your opinion is. If you're Patrick Mahomes, if you're Aaron Rodgers, do a State Farm commercial every now and then. Or if you're Aaron Rodgers, just um, go away. Just forever. Just go away. Yeah, I think he did with his family, didn't he? I don't... Until I don't have to hear someone mention him during every goddamn game, (laughs) even if he's not... He just... like It's something about the Greenback quarterback position. The Green Bay. Green Bay quarterback position. It used to be, I don't care what game you watched, you would hear Brett Favre. And it's like, well, it's fucking John Madden. Well, he was the worst culprit, but Joe Buck's just as fucking bad. Joe Buck, I do Should not. Should die in a fire. I, I don't mind him as I, a baseball. I don't mind him as a baseball guy. 
He okay. So remember the Super Bowl when the Patriots played the Giants and David Tyree made that catch. Yes. He was so catch. unenthusiastic about that. Like caught by Tyree. I'm like, dude, scream out your lungs. All right. So this is the first I found out that he is a baseball announcer. Yeah. I, I, I haven't watched a baseball game intentionally ever. He's not. I don't think he's bad as a baseball announcer. Okay. Again, I, I, I just don't. That's, I have no frame of reference, but I know as a football announcer, he is. Right there in my least favorite ever. Remember um, when Randy Moss mooned the Green Bay crowd? <laughs> yeah. He, right away he's like, that is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. I'm like, dude, he's just having fun out there. He fake pulled down his pants. Like, Also, how do you shit on Randy? Like, Randy Moss was just like, hey, I made my money. I'm good. Everything Randy else Moss, to me, and I know Jerry Rice exists. Randy Moss is the most talented receiver to ever live. I think Calvin Johnson should be thrown into that just because of... You're talking about somebody who never had like a top-tier guy throwing to him. In my opinion, I don't... Ray, Calvin Johnson? Yeah. Well, I've always liked Matthew Stafford. I, oh, whatever your opinion is. I think Matthew Stafford's great for certain th- I don't What Calvin was doing, I think he did it so well... That he made quarterbacks play to him. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Stafford's got much more of that, like, control throw. Stafford's a gunslinger. Right, but he's, it's more of that, like, control throw, quick release kind of, whereas Calvin made him, like, be patient, make it in the pocket for Calvin a Johnson with, like, uh, he was the second overall pick in 2007. You remember <laughs> the first overall pick was that year? Jamarcus fucking oh, Russell. Yeah, Marcus Russell, yep. I remember, I remember being so pro Calvin Johnson because I literally remember saying Calvin Johnson, my boy. I was in middle school. And I thought he was the shit. Um, but I remember the Raiders had the first pick that year, and I'm like, they should get Calvin Johnson instead of Jamarcus Russell. And look what happened: Jamarcus Russell fucking ate his way out of the NFL, yeah. and Calvin Johnson's a fucking Hall of Famer. I just, I, I think, I like that how he didn't necessarily fit the system he was in, and excelled to. He was I mean, un- Calvin Johnson was unbelievable. Him and Larry Fitzgerald at that time, like that, that was art. Like watching those guys do what they were doing. Larry Fitzgerald is still playing at a right. pretty high level. I'm just saying, like, but at that, when you had those two, like that that few years there of like one guy kind of takes the the hot seat the next year. I feel like Calvin Johnson did it with. No fanfare, no one being like, oh, of course, hey, this guy's the best. But he was, like, he, he was so good. Yeah, I, I think because I mean, they were more of a running team for a good part of his career, they were more of a like short pass kind of. Well, when you have Calvin Johnson going deep, you're, you're gonna air it out there. I remember there was one game they were playing the Bengals. And Stafford threw a touchdown, like a 50 yard touchdown to Calvin Johnson in triple coverage. Yeah. I mean, he just – that guy always impressed me. Uh, so, yeah, I was just I was throwing his name into that yeah. kind of – I personally – I think I'm, I'm going to acknowledge that Jerry Rice <clears throat> was insane. He's a record setter. He had Joe Montana. He had Steve Young. I personally think that the way – the physical ability that Randy Moss had – like, I think Calvin Johnson's right up there, too. To me, Randy Moss is the best to ever do it. I think Randy Moss was what Michael Irvin could have been. 
I bear. I mean, I was. T- I'm too young to remember what Michael Irvin did. I think he was that guy who was that athletic and what, but it was before. It was kind of before some of the rule changes that made it a little more of a pass-friendly game. Like, so I don't think he got the time to shine as much. But he used to do some stuff athletically that you're like, I'm sorry, is he a superhero? Like he, you know, I, I remember watching one game with, uh, I think it was Cowboys versus, I want to say Green Bay, and he is double covered, clearly held. Michael Irvin. Yeah. Double covered, clearly held at one point, face mask penalty, and still catches like a 60-yard fucking pass. One-handed, pulls it down onto his shoulder pad, turns, tucks, and draws it into his body as he hits the ground. And I'm like, just the mind to be able to do that in that was super impressive. It's it's unbelievable what some wide receivers can do. So, yeah, I was always impressed by guys who can really kind of that in the moment adapt and do – do incredibly fit like Odell Beckham when he made that one-handed catch against the Cowboys. Yeah, like this is it was like that was Odell Beckham's welcome to the NFL moment. Oh, yeah, I think that's what we might have seen out of Chris Henry. Oh man, I literally rem- I remember where I was the day he died. I was at the <laughs> I was at the game when I found out. Like <laughs> I was at um, Anderson High School, like my rival high school for uh, like a volleyball game or something like that. So, yeah, that's where... That's uh, yeah, we went off on a weird track. Okay. Yeah, we did. Um, speaking of high draft picks, this is the last thing we'll talk about because i got to get to stepping. Um, speaking of high draft picks, the Bengals have the first pick. And in all likelihood, I'm not going to say it's a guarantee because there's, that, there's still that chance Mike that Mike. Mike Brown pulls some fuckery and does some crazy shit. It's not a done deal until Roger Goodell says Joe Burrow's name. Right. Which, by the way, B-U-R-R-O-W. Anyway, a lot of people misspell his name. I, I, I keep saying Burrows because I've heard so many, like, every time, like, I'll watch highlights or whatever, the the, the, the people on, like, ESPN or said Joe Burrows. It's to the point where I've caught myself doing it lately. They 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 give him the Kroger's treatment. <clears throat> yeah, I. I... It, that that that's not a statement to you. That's a statement to everyone. No, I I, I don't like that. I've picked it up from hearing it. But yep. yeah, that guy. More than likely, he's going to be in a Bengals jersey next year. I I was I brought this up to Lloyd. I don't think anyone outside of Cincinnati wants to see Joe Burrow as a Bengal. No. Everybody sees Cincinnati as like this toxic thing that's Which, happening under Mike Brown. Which, to a point, it is. But, I mean, damn, he is good. He's, He's so very good. good. People were saying he put up what could be seen as the greatest individual season in college football history. Yeah, I mean, national champ, Heisman Trophy winner, all in the same Undefeated. Season. Yeah. He threw like four or five touchdowns in the national championship. Game. He had his last... And he ran for one. Well, yeah, we had 16, 16 touchdown passes since his last pick. That's what we need, a guy who can step up when the fucking moment's right. Um, I, will, I have a lot of points written down. Um, I, I say with Burrow, be cautiously optimistic. Because as a rookie, he's going to fuck up and do stupid shit. Especially if we don't get him on. The what? Especially if we don't put a line in front of him. 
You got Jonah Williams coming back, and I keep saying that. Jonah Williams is going to come back. It's going to help. I just I want to I would like to see in free agency that they go after a few linemen. I think I think one like splash is what you need. I'm not even asking for the best line in the NFL. I'm not asking for like I mean this sounds crazy to say. It's like I'm not even asking for you to like get five Anthony Munozes. <coughs> no, but just I mean, get just have a line even a Average to above average line could really help Joe Burrow thrive. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna really if that if that's the route they go, which I which more than likely it is. I am I'm 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 a fan of Joe Burrow in a Cincinnati jersey. All I am doing is saying there's still that chance. It's not definite. I'm saying right. there's that chance that Mike Brown's like, hey, let's let's get that fucking Chase Young guy. Right, which I mean wouldn't surprise anyone really, like. It, it would be, Cincinnati will burn to the ground. I, I think at this point we're all just like, all right, man. Like, just but like if it was if it was my call, I might not pick Joe Burrows. Now, that being said, I don't see how they can't because of how the market's going to go. I mean, think about people it this way. are the, the entire city of Cincinnati has been marketing Joe Burrow. For the last two, three months. Right. Well, I'm, I'm saying like the the way the market's going to go in the NFL. Think about it this way. Tannehill's going to get a legit contract. Oh, yeah. He's 31. He'll make in the mid-20 millions next year. He he should be comeback player of the year. Right. So, I mean, there's I think there's going to be a lot of movement, especially in like that skill player offense side. Yeah. On, in the free agency this year. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are shuffling guys around there. Yeah. So that's going to kind of mar- that's, make that market hot. So it makes you wonder where Mariota's going to go. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, uh, there's a handful of guys that are like... He's Tennessee's backup now. Yeah, if the right if the right team hit with that, they, they would... Like Mariota, if he goes to Washington? I think Washington's fine. They, they just got Dwayne Haskins. <clears throat> like, Haskins trended up as the year went on. Which a lot of Bengals fans are like, Dwayne Haskins is our guy. I was not, I, I don't, I didn't want Dwayne Haskins because I think it was a lot of it had to do with the fact that a lot of Bengals fans are Ohio State fans. Yeah. And they would, a lot of Bengals fans who are also Ohio State fans would have sucked Mike Brown's old throbbing veiny penis to get Dwayne Haskins on the Bengals. Which you can only get up with Blue Chew from BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com. They'll get your balls <clears throat> up. <laughs> Right. Wow, man. Um, um, no, I, I, I think that's what will happen. I, I more than likely, Joe Burrow is going to be the pick. Everyone keeps saying it's definite. It's not until Roger Goodell says his name. I'm going to make that super clear, and I think I have. But I, here's one thing. Another thing I'm going to say: the pressure that's on Joe Burrow, unbelievable. I think it actually would help him to come to a team like Cincinnati. Ah, uh, what do you mean? Cut those expectations a bit. You have to cut your expectations. Like if, he, if he went to like a Dallas or a Green Bay or like a huge market, he would be the be... number one selling. The pressure in Cincinnati, people were buying his jersey. Like I went to the Browns game, the Bengals Browns game. I saw people in Joe Burrow LSU jerseys. I saw a couple people have duct tape over their Carson Palmer jerseys and write Burrow number nine. <laughs> I mean, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, 
Yeah. <sighs> but I, I do think if he goes to like a middle market team, or I think his upside is so high that the only way you crush it is by – if you put him – like this will sound weird because I'm not a fan, but if he went to like the Saints or something where like he would have all the support in the world – Everyone oh, would be yeah. on this, you know, everyone would be on Oh, especially with that, that Louisiana ties. Right. I think that would be a, a, a fit where he would excel beyond what, but I think other than that, you have to put him in a middle market or small market team because he's just done It'll shit. It'll increase that, the market. And, and he's just done shit that other guys haven't done. So the expectations are so high. If he comes into a pro level at a team that's just under, you know, top tier scrutiny. It like could, Brady Quinn him, you know what I mean? Like, I think Brady Quinn broke just on that transition from college to, to pro, and not to compare the two, but I think that, you know, the pressure definitely seemed to be a, an issue for him. Yeah. So I think if Joe went to a, a super high-tier team, like a, you know, big fan base, whatever, that pressure intensifies. Yeah. So I'd worry that that so would be So it's in about. one city as opposed to... Say like a Green Bay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Green Bay, Dallas, somewhere. New where, England. Yeah, where they those are really just, national fan bases. Right, and you would just get an unending picking apart by every analyst everywhere ever for everything you do. It's like <clears throat> I per like Dak Prescott. I personally think he's overrated, but he I would agree. people think like. Because every time someone's a Dallas Cowboy, they get their status elevated by two notches because they play for the biggest market in the NFL. Right. Dak Prescott's a big example. I think he's a decent quarterback. I don't think he's a top ten guy. No, I think he's played behind a really good line. A fantastic line. He's had – think of the weapons he's had. Des Bryant, Amari Cooper in his prime. Right. So that's what – I feel like we I drug it out a little further away from the topic than I meant to, but I think him being here would actually be a good fit for him personally. Yes, because you know where he uh, you know he transferred from Ohio State. Yeah, and I actually read this story in the Athletic where it says that Joe Burrow was transferring from Ohio State and he was choosing between two schools. I shit you not, LSU and Cincinnati. He was yeah, yeah. he was leaning towards Cincinnati, and then LS a uh, visit to LSU kind of wooed him. Yeah, I mean, they needed him. They did, and it's led to the best season in college football history. He was just waiting for his chance. So yeah, I mean, that, that was one of those ones where the expectations weren't crazy high, but they're a little. You know, I mean, there was a little pressure on him, yeah. and he really excelled. He did. I'd worry that too much pressure might be. Yeah. I think he's got the swagger to handle it. I would like to think so, but I also just don't ever... Like, there's too many guys that you've seen where they come out and it's like, this guy's going to be the... Oh, wait, no, he's not. We're three games in and he has 19 picks. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, I... I, You gotta hope not. If it were me, I'd say let's build a line, let's whatever over the next year You also have to... um, This is the last thing I'll say because i got to get out of here. You have to improve your defense. We need linebackers? Linebackers, bad. Jermaine Pratt stepped up this year. He yeah. was a rookie, and he stepped the fuck up this year. Nick Vigil, I mean, granted he had his moments. He stepped up. But Every linebacker, as limited as we had, stepped up because of the lack of linebackers. I think we definitely haven't seen the best of Lawson yet. 
We had a four-two-five setup the entire year. Yeah, four defensive linemen, two linebackers, five DBs, five DBs, three. Uh, it was like Darkwise Denard, uh, B.W. Webb, I think William Jackson, and then Jesse Bates and Sean Williams. Which that's not a terrible, or in Drake Kirkpatrick for a little bit. Yeah, but that's not a terrible. It's not a terrible secondary. For sure, it's not. But you can't rely on that for every game. Like the running teams beat us up. The you know the the teams with the good offensive lines really just they fuck us up. Made it hard for us to do anything. Yeah. So like I said, Joe Burrow more than likely the number one pick. And that's the way it's been marketed for. Ever and a day. So, at this point, I I hope it happens. I, I hope it does, too. Even though, like, up until this point, I've been like, eh, maybe, maybe. Like, I, I think taking a quarterback might not be the the absolute best idea. I would like to see him build everything else around for a year or two. This is, I mean, this is, no granted, this is our chance to pick a Heisman winner. Right. That's, uh, it would be... In dream world, it'd be nice to have a year or two to build everything else, and then get a guy like Joe Burrow. Well, Grant. Well, it'd be even better if you could sit Joe Burrow for a little bit, which a lot of people are so frustrated, undeservedly so, with Andy Dalton. I, I can't see how they do it, though. I can't. I can't see Cincinnati football fans shit on their quarterbacks <sighs> so bad, so bad, and it's unbelievable. I still think to this day that time when Carson Palmer came back here and played against the Bengals and just looked like the golden god had to be like his favorite. There was a Sunday night game where uh, the Cardinals played the Bengals in Arizona and Palmer just lit us up. Yeah, maybe it wasn't here, maybe it was there. But I just remember at the end of that game being like, Carson Palmer's got to feel like... The king. Yeah, he's just got to feel so like vindicated at that moment, like... I see him driving home with his dashboard confessional CD. Vindicated. Vindicated. <laughs> I feel like he was just Crocky. screaming it out of his shitty F-350. Oh, man. What what other emo shit would he scream? Uh, MCR? Uh, I think he was more like a used, like a little bit heavier side. Oh, okay. But, Who did that? Uh, Simple Plan. Maybe that, too. Yeah, I think it was probably early days of emo. Cause, well, actually, I actually know Jordan was because I've actually seen Jordan at shows and shit around here. Like Jordan. Palmer. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. No I, shit. Yeah, you'd catch him at Bogarts when there was like punk metal emo No shows. shit. Yeah. Yeah, Palmer. Jordan Palmer was kind of mediocre. I, he, he, didn't, he didn't have a chance ever. He no. Didn't. Yeah, so like I said, Burrow's the guy. We can only hope. Um, so we don't have an outro right now. Yeah, who needs one? Uh, let's go with, uh, we're going to do this all off-season. We're, yeah, we're going to do this all off-season. We're going to be talking bangles. We're going to be, Lloyd and I are going to shoot the shit a lot. We're going to talk comedy. We're going to plug shows, which I don't have any right now. And then we're going to try, I'm going to, I was telling Alex, I'd like to make the last episode of the off-season. Go big, go hype. Roast the roast the players that leave the Bengals. Yeah, everybody who leaves the Bengals and go free agency yeah. roasting and whatever, maybe have a couple of guests to... You know, just stir everything right up before the season starts again. Yep. So, looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward to these just fun. We're just going to interact. We're going to have a good time. It's going to be once a month. We're going to release it on the 14th of every month in honor of Andy Dalton and in honor of the losses we had. Honestly, it was the losses we had, but I 
I was like thinking, I'm like, where can I post a picture of number 14? I'm like, oh, Andy Dalton's number 14. So, shit, that's our answer. So, I say for the outro, we just say, fuck you, NFL. That's what I was thinking, too. I like it. Yeah, I actually do have a plug. Um, April 26th, that's a Sunday, I will be headlining the Wiley's Comedy Joint Sunday Comics Showcase. That's always a fun one. I'll probably be doing like 20, 25 minutes of material. Granted, if I have 20, 25 minutes of material. You do. I know. Yeah, so April 26th, come see me at Wiley's. Yeah, if you uh, to so Wiley's, think, go. It's fun. It's a cool club. So what I think we only have one thing left to say. Fuck, Fuck you, NFL. We, we like, like the, the Bengals. Bengals. Why, man? Fuck you. We like the Bengals.